Episode 94 of the Art of War Dunder podcast. My name is Adam Camilleri. I do have the hiccups. Feel free to giggle along with me. Me and Anthony have been waiting patiently for the hiccups to pass, and we're like, stuff it. Let's, let's just send it. Let's just send. Hello, Anthony. How you doing? I'm doing great. That's uh, that's how we do it. You know, you got to just go sometimes, much like in the game itself. You can't, uh, you can't just sit around forever. You got to do stuff. Much like when you're playing nights, you just sometimes you just got to send. You just got to send in the boys, send in the stompy lads. We are here to yeah. discuss and review and complete the uh, episodes on the Imperial Knights. We'll be starting off uh, with the Exalted Court in a minute once we tell you a little bit about what we do here. First and foremost, Anthony... <laughs> Would you like to plug anything? Yes. Uh, so I am on the Best in Tabletop Network, as well as working as an Art of War coach. So obviously, shout out to my team, the Art of War. And if you guys are looking for coaching services, please reach out to us. Hit up me specifically, as I am the Knights man uh, for the both the Chaos side, and then I have I have most experience with the Chaos side. But like, there's a couple of us that have Imperial experience. Um, and then my podcast is called uh, Fight Club 40K or 40K Fight Club. The other way, yep. that's the one. Um, so yeah, we're on every Tuesday at 7 Eastern in the US, um, 6 Central, sometime Pacific, I don't know what time GMT, <laughs> probably late in Australian. Uh, so yeah, that's our that's us. Uh, that's all the things I do. Yeah, awesome, awesome show. Please go over and uh, support Best in Tabletop and all the amazing things they do. Charity Habit coming up a couple of months as well. I'm unfortunately not going to be there, which I was planning to be, but now I'll probably be streaming some portion of it in some way. Um, above and beyond that, this is a two-part podcast. First part comes out for you guys Tuesday mornings. Uh, part two is over on the Art of War 40K uh, com or the Art of War Down Under over on Patreon, where you can get the part two of this, um, and where you can ask us a bunch of questions. Have your say in which content we review and in what order. We are reviewing the Imperial Knights because that was what was voted on. It won the votes i put up a poll the honest to review renegade knights imperial knights or the new campaign book um that is coming out which order it so next week ant is going to be joining us again we're going to be doing the first part of the renegade knights codex review and my painters will have the ability to submit lists for review by me and anthony any questions they want us to discuss any topics any anything pertinent in the community as well they want us to speak to um and that's over on part two join us there on the other 40k.com over on patreon as well as well, whichever is your want. Jumping into this review, we are going to be starting off on page 84. For those following along at home, you may have, you will be able to have purchased this book and have this in your hot little hands by the time of this episode. This is the exalted chord. This is the this is the the pay extra for stuff thing that everyone's gotten in ninth edition. Uh, tell us a little bit about this, Anthony. So the way I view these is that they're almost like, I mean, these are better than warlord traits. They're better than relics. Like it costs you some points, but relative to what a knight costs, this is like almost a drop in the pond. Um, it will almost always be worth having between two and three of these in your list. Um, they have to go on the Questorus class ones. So for the most part, um, you are able to put them on Dominus class as well. But you, one of the major benefits of these is that you get to use your Bondsman ability an additional time. Now, the Dominus Knights don't have Bondsman abilities, so the you lose a portion of what you're paying for, essentially, with the upgrade when you put this 
on one of them. Um, you're, you know, there are portions of these obviously benefit the person with it, but again, a huge part of this is that you're adding to what your buff spread is. This is the major differentiator, in my opinion, between Chaos and Imperial. This entire tree is super powerful, and what separates, I think, in the power level, Imperial from Chaos. And I think Imperials do ultimately end up strong. Interesting. Yeah, because because some people have been saying that the Imper Imperial has the, the more well-rounded builds, but the ceiling is, is higher for the renegade stuff and we'll, we'll be unpacking that more as we go i think when we get to the end of the second part of the the renegade review we'll have a whole overview breakdown for like 10 15 minutes which bits are better in, in which codexes and, and where it shapes yep. up um with this one the other thing to note is that you can only give these upgrades to characters i believe but you can also bestow the character keyword by uh paying for relics and extra waller traits on things so i think you have the ability to give up to three of these is that correct technically Essentially, yeah, you can give up to three. Not that you can take many more large knights than that in a given list and slot exactly. a functional list afterwards, but yes. Spot on. Well, jumping into the first one, um, which is Master of Justice, which is a 30-point upgrade. This is Equestorus Imperialis character only. Uh, when you select this upgrade, select one Equestor Imperialis Martial Tradition, that is the build-your-own set of Equestorus ones on page 77, that no model in your army has um, yet. You cannot select uh, Glorified History, which is a the successor one. This model gains that martial tradition mm -hmm. in addition to the one they have. And then in addition, um, Noble Empire ability once per battle when you use an Imperial Knight strategic ploy strat stratagem, if the model you select that use to sorry to use that strategic ploy on is under the effects of this bondsman's this model's bondsman's ability, that strat costs zero command points. So like you get you get a little bit of CP refund, and essentially, in effect, you will also this character will be from two houses. In effect, this is pretty cool. This one's super good because you can use it because you're Imperialis by default when you pick up this one. So you can use this to pick up either Trans Hitman in melee or yep. essentially that Noble Combatants one, which is the competitive edge. So putting this on a Gallant is super strong. <laughs> That was my first assumption as well, and but having a gallant means you know you probably got warglaves and you're probably getting mileage from the 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 CP refund as well. So in effect, you're paying you're paying thirty points to be a double house on one character in addition to like one to two CP as well. Yep, which is super worth it. Oh, absolute value. Um, you want to grab the next one? Yeah, the next one is one of the big, honestly, probably one of the better ones. Uh, this is High Monarch. This is again Questor Imperialis, as will the next couple. There's five for each. Um, this model is included in your army. It must be your warlord. If more than one model in your army has a rule to this effect, then one of them must be the warlord. Uh, this is each time your army gains an honor point, roll 1d6. On a 5-up, you gain an additional honor point. The wow. exemplar ability, each time this model uses its bondsman ability, it applies to every armager class model within 6. That is wild <laughs> that's so good i mean I, i'm in, envisioning a crusader with like two helverins or two helverins and a lightning lock moirax or something and all of them just hitting on twos it feels real good right yeah you can even go as far as to take an errant and give a bubble of advance and charge that they then can leave with advance and charge and run out with oh that is pretty cool yeah, there's a lot of applications where, and all, obviously, all of those would then become minus one damage as well from being bonded. Yeah, this one is the most expensive. It comes in at a whopping 45 points, but if you have a plan for it, I think it's going to be worth it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%. It's definitely 
worth the points and you build around it once you take it. But once you're doing that, I think this is really the core of what makes Quester Imperialis good. If you're taking a Quester Imperialis build, you should be using this. I agree. Uh, next up is Monarch's Ward. This is 35 points. Um, it reads, whilst another friendly noble household character models within three of this unit, enemy models cannot target that character model with range attacks and let is, it is the closest eligible target to the attacking model. In addition, whilst an armager class model is under the effects of this model's bondsman ability, at the start of the fight phase, if that armager class model is within engagement range of any enemy units, it can fight first. Does this even function with the changes to bodyguard in the data sheet? Yes. So, it, yeah, because it essentially just gives you... Um Look out, sir. Yeah, correct. How? What's the actual? What's the practical applications here, if there are any? So you could use this in um, those builds that I was kind of talking about, where you're sending a bunch of armagers forward, and then you just keep this knight near your other knight, and as long as there are armagers in front of him, he can't get shot. That feels so the bullets good, get right? forced into either this guy or the armagers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That feels great. Yeah, it feels pretty good, especially if you're you know blocking for a crusader or something that's going to be doing most of your heavy lifting. Um, which one's up next? All right, so next up we have Gatekeeper. This is while this model is wholly within your deployment zone, each time attack made against this model, an unmodified wound roll of one through three for that attack fails, irrespective of any abilities. This is just transhuman. Um, yeah. The Noble Exemplar ability, while an Armager class model is under the effects of this Bondsman abilities, while that Armager class model is in range of an objective marker, add one to its toughness. So it gets you a T8 Armager, or two in this scenario. Yeah, because you get to use the Bondsman ability twice. This actually seems pretty sick. How many points is it? Uh, let's take a look. The Gatekeeper is 35. Not so that's that a bit pricey, but yeah. it is powerful. Yeah, two Toughness 8 um, Armagers, you know, hang hanging out in front or in back is seems seems pretty spicy man yeah and there's a surprising amount of things that do wound knights on threes now so this is essentially just like you know minus one to wound against higher strength attacks exactly right all right last one up is herald this is 20 points um each time a friendly noble house model uses a bondsman ability if they are within nine of this herald they can select one noble household armiga class model that is within nine of them for that bondsman ability to apply to so you get to kind of synaptic link your bondsman abilities around i believe that's how i'm reading that and then in addition yeah. whilst an armiga class model is under the effects of this bondsman ability that armiga class model has a four plus invulnerable save so you can toss around is that is that tossing around two or four four plus invulnerable saves that would be two because you're just you're you're slinging someone else's yeah. bond you're not applying that's his. right yeah so that they're not getting it and passing it so on they're just two. passing it on yeah so it's just two um right, still exactly. pretty good yep. still pretty good right no it's great yeah it's a big part of that like durability skew armature rush build where you're just trying to like take objectives off people and hold them where they are um because that four up invuln you'll note works in melee Yes, man. I was about to say this. This is a, an ability that, like, I mean, an errant already gives out, like we said, advance and charge. Now it's giving out advance and charge and a four plus invulnerable save to two things that then just sends in. This is a nice package. Yeah, exactly. This one's great. And then again, it helps relay those those other bondsman abilities that you'll want up there that may not necessarily be able to. Yeah, exactly right. Um, first of the Mechanicus ones is yours. Alrighty, this is the uh, the money one for Mechanicus, so you've been so generous, giving me all the good ones. Uh, if this Warlord is included in your army, it must be your Warlord. Each time you would lose an Honor Point, roll a d6 on a 5-up, that Honor Point is not lost. Um, and then once per command phase, when you're using your bondsman ability, you can select a Noble House Questorus model besides yourself, for the ability to apply to instead of an armature model. Oof, this is bananas. 
huge. Uh, this one's called Princeps, and it is 35 points. But tell us, tell us how this freaking works. Like, what, how, what are you going to do with this? All right. So the, the way that the primary the primary way that you will see this used, I imagine, is that people will take a paladin who has arguably the best bondsman ability, which is the ability to reroll ones to hit and wound. That tagged onto a crusader with any assortment of shooting using the sixes to wound our mortal wound stratagems is a nightmarish amount of damage, especially when kitted out with warlord traits and relics after that point. But just at a base level, like that, even just that specific combo is super duper strong because knights have super limited access to rerolls and having this really changes the game for them. Totally agree, man. I think, and I think that's the best application for it. Um, is there, I mean, is there, is there another bondsman ability that would make sense? I mean, it's a plus one ballistic skill that you can have one crusader giving to another crusader, right? Yeah, the plus one ballistic skill and weapon skill ones, respectively, aren't bad, especially if you're taking mixed knights and then you're taking like a gallant that can give plus one to hit. Um, the you run into more like structural issues with that, and that like you're trying to like get people like the mixed knight thing is kind of, gets like very weird very quickly. So it's usually better to like build them into specific roles because they're such expensive models. Agreed. Um, it's really hard to balance that. Like you want to be able to get multiple phases out of each knight, but you also don't want them to be bad at the phases they're trying to do in. Um, yeah. So taking a paladin, which is in and of itself a mixed knight, which is kind of fine to buff a ranged knight as an example works really well. And in the first turn, if you can't shoot anything with your crusader, you can always buff your gallant as an example yes uh, yeah the spot freaking on man um jumping down to the next one which is forge master this is 30 points um whilst this model is wholly within your deployment zone each time a wound is allocated to it reduce the damage characteristic of the attack by one to a minimum of one this is not culminative with any other rules that reduce damage spicy um whilst an armature class model is done to the effects of this model's bondsman ability each time that armature class model makes an attack against the unit that is within your deployment zone plus one to hit and plus one to wound i mean that second part is super primo but how often is it going to come up is the question yeah you shouldn't have a ton of stuff in your deployment zone as knights like sometimes people try and sneak back there but you know obviously you have giant stompy robots back there that's real scary the minus one damage is just like flat better than the transhuman the other one gives you though. exactly right this one's on. rather good uh this is one of the few ones you'll consider putting on a dominus like you could put this on a castellan that's just going to hang out in your deployment zone. And you don't care yes. that it doesn't have a bondsman ability because now you have a minus one damage because stolen in your deployment zone. With 30 wounds, getting a wound back every turn because it's in the mechanica side of things, it's it's a chunky lad. Yeah, acting on full bracket if you do manage to hurt it. It's a bit of a nightmare, really. Yeah, 100% agree. I think yeah, I think this is the one that makes the most sen sense on a, on a Dominus so far. Um, what's next? Next up is Master, Master Tactician. This is when you select this upgrade, select a Quester Mechanicus Martial Tradition that no army, no model in your army has besides the successor one. This model gains this in addition to others. Uh, the Noble Exemplar ability here is huge. So this one has a very key difference to the other one. The Master of Justice requires you to be under the effects of this model's Bondsman ability to make the type of stratagem free. This one says once per battle, when you use an Imperial Knight's battle tactic stratagem, if the model you select to use that battle tactic stratagem is under the effects of a, a. Bondsman ability, then that stratagem costs zero command points. Now, what you can do here is put Master Tactician on a Crusader and buff it with the Paladin rerolls from your Princeps Paladin and yep. use the Mortal Wound Strat for free. Oof. 
because you're not it doesn't say you have to be an armature class model you just have you're, to be under the effect of a bondsman holy crap okay okay cool. yep 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 okay that's a source we're made, we've, yep. we've got it we've got the <laughs> makings of a dish uh that's incredible how many points is this one yeah <laughs> Uh, this one's not even that expensive, if I remember right. This is Master Tactician is plus thirty. Yeah, so it's in the it's in the middle middle band. Uh, next up is Master of Law, which yeah. is da, 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 thirty five. So we're expecting big things here. Um, if this model is a Knight Preceptor in your command phase, it can redoubt one additional teaching, so one additional you know Chaplain Canticle. Um, if it's not a Preceptor, it gains the Mentor keyword and knows a teaching from the Knightly teachings. So if it's not a Chappie, it becomes a Chappie. If it is a Chappie, it is a better Chappie. In addition, each time this model uses yep. its Bondsman ability on a model that is already under the effects of a Bondsman ability, the new ability applies to it in addition to the existing one. So it gets to double up a Bondsman ability, and you get to be a, a Chappie or yep. a better Chappie. Yeah, this is huge because there's like some of the Chaplain litanies are quite good, but there's one huge one that's the Feel No Pain on Bonded Models. Yes. Uh, that one is bananas and even if you just had that one that's fine i mean spot on i mean is this a good case to just to 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 make it so you don't need to take a preceptor because there's no point because you can make something else a uh, a mentor if or is this just saying if you're mechanicus yeah yeah because oh, you yeah, had mechanicus locked oh there you go um that is a little awkward because you you'd hope this would be a tweener but there are no tweeners um man i'm yep. str i'm struggling here because just like 80 percent of these seem very takeable Oh, yeah, all of them are extremely good. Uh, we have one more. What's the last one? The last one is Master of Vox, which costs a whopping 20 points. <laughs> it is when this model is on the battlefield, each time you spend a command point on a stratagem, on a 5-up, you refund that CP. And each time this model uses its Bondsman ability, you can select a armature class model anywhere on the battlefield. That's freaking cool still. That's that's fine. 20 points for... It's every time yep. you use a stratagem, a command point. Each time you spend a command point. So if it's three, if it's four CP, yep. you roll four dice. Okay, this is yes, good. Sir. This is quite good. Um, it, only 20 points as well. Like I'm legitimately saying, like because I, I, I'm going to be playing this book, I'm going to be setting aside like 100 points to buy this stuff because all these things are good. These things yep. are things I want to have. Um, on the Imperial side of thing, what takes your eye the most? Uh, on the Imperialis side is definitely High Monarch and uh, High Monarch is crazy. Like being able to bubble out the bombs is really good um, in turns where you need to do that. Yeah. Um, it doesn't always, always happen, but once you're built around it and now you're doing it on purpose and just like everybody's minus one damage, your army becomes very difficult to like unpack in a reasonable time frame. That's exactly right. In addition, the honor point stuff isn't bad but let's like you, you, you're at a gt and you play five or six games two to like you, let's say your hawks are out as well for you know whatever you're just going to be in virtuous you're just going to be in virtuous as soon as you get one extra oh, yeah. point, bang straight there um but we'll have to see how relevant they are i love master of justice i think having one super super knight is really exciting um and, and i love yep. the idea of knights being so bespoke and unique um within themselves uh, i really one of the things that excites me the most about it uh, about the army uh, on the mechanica side of things what do you love uh princeps is the the king ding here as well the, it should be yeah. that is like the, <laughs> yeah. the most important um he is absolutely wild being able to cross apply that buff is nuts um the next closest would probably be the master tactician though for me uh, like yeah. I, the princeps is the obvious power one it's the subtle power of the master tactician that really does it for me well like, yeah uh, it's only good if you already have princeps, right? Yeah, it's much better than for sure. 
yeah. Well, in in effect, if you do have princeps on it, it can be like three, two to three extra CP just in your pocket that you start the essentially like you start the game with because you, you get it back the first like in turn oh, yeah. one. Yeah, this is yeah, it's, it's, that's a, it's super hmm. easy to use that mortal wounds as damage ability like three times three turns in a row with uh, yes yeah thank thank god it's one person one per game that you get the refund on but yeah really good that is one oh, of the yeah for sure every time that'd be nuts. that i'm just <laughs> i'm just gonna say that is one of the best um and well fleshed out and deep like extra add-on you know pay the points for the extras section we don't we need a name for what these are by the way um <laughs> that i have i have seen yeah it was I can make a case for using all of those. Like even even Master of Vox for twenty points. Oh, cool. Well, I built the list that I wanted to take, and I've only got twenty points left. Well, I guess I'm just going to take it because I'm going to get so many CP. In addition, this guy can sit in one corner of the table and buff Armagers in the other corner of the table. Right. Or if he has to go out and do things, he can sling them backwards, which is also Except, very yeah, valuable. Pretty exactly often. right. It's there's just value in every line of these things. I think they're really well done. Yeah, right. exactly. No, these are again some of the better upgrades I've seen. Uh, they this is the one part of the like two books where Imperials just have it better than Chaos. Have it better. Like the, yeah. their their like pay points for upgrades things is much more like robust and like dynamic and like influences the game much more heavily in my opinion. Well, so far this is the this is the most exciting part of the book for me. This is the part where I'm just like, "Oh my god, I'm Kinman Candy Store. Which one do I want to play on this night and this which which one of these goes best with this with a oh, gallon? Yeah. Which one's best on a on a paladin and a warden?" And yeah, yeah. It's it's really exciting. Moving on to the next section, they just decided to put an uh, army of renown in here. I suppose a thank you, G-Dub, because I was I was assuming that anything that wasn't printed in this book was going to be superseded like by this book like I think the assumption is that the Raven supplement might be going the way of the Dodo, uh, but I'm really happy we kept the Freeblade Lance. So what do you make of this, mate? Man, this is this adds so much depth and interesting like list building into this book. I'm so happy they put this back in. Um, I tried this army a couple times, like even just wrapping my head around like a basic list was like, oh man, like a couple hour endeavor. I was like, how am I going to write this? What do I want? Like you have so many options of what you can take in this that it becomes like very rapidly, almost overwhelming, but the flexibility is so cool. And the addition of like the stratagems and even the relic that they have is super, super good. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, we can, you know, once we start breaking it down, we can kind of share that with everyone. But yeah, this, I'm a big fan of this. I love this. The armies of renowns that are good enough to see competitive play, I always really enjoy. Yeah, me too. Um, I, I really enjoy them as well. I think they finally found a bit of the the sweet spot for the formation esque ideas that have been spawned, you know, in a myriad of different editions. Um, this one keeps just about all the same restrictions and benefits, as in you must be free blades. You get the free blade lance, which is which is a pseudo knight lance. Um, you get indomitable heroes, martial tradition by default. Um, so you don't get the, the whole build a bear, pick your own poison, any of that stuff, because freelancers have innately changed in the way they're built. So what? Uh, so Indomitable Heroes, they get, at the start of each of command phases, a model with this martial tradition regains one lost wound, and each time an advance and charge roll is, or charge roll is made for the model, you can ignore any roll modifiers to it. So that's... Because do these guys still get the Mechanicus or the Imperial, Imperialis buffs, or is this because they're getting this instead? We get this instead. Okay. Uh, that kind of sucks. <laughs> so they don't get an actual martial tradition they don't get like the house cam just or whatever they just get this in instead and instead of getting the imperialis or the mechanicus buff they get to regain a wound as in like half of the mechanicus side and 
to ignore the penalties to uh, charge rolls and, adv- and 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 whatnot, e.g., half of the mechanic, the imperialis side. Is that right? Yep, that looks right to me. Fantastic. All right, j- jump in and uh, tell us about the first of these rules. Alrighty. So you talking like legendary knight? Yeah. Over there. Slap. Cool. So that is a free blade lance character can be upgraded to have one of the exalted court upgrades, even though they are a free blade. If a free blade model is so upgraded, replace all instances of noble household with free blade lance. Cool. But you only get one, right? No, uh, I think it's any of them. That's true. Right? Yeah, a free blade lance character. So just the same, same. Yeah, even though they're a free blade. Yeah, that's that's really exciting. Yeah. Um, jumping into the warlord trait echoes from the past. This warlord gain. So I think this is the same as it was before. Uh, this warlord uh, gains the glorified history um, martial tradition if it has the quest imperials or fealty to the cog martial tradition. Um, and you can pick. Um, from any of the listed houses on 77 and 78, respectively, even though they are a free, free blade, they will only gain the martial tradition. Do not have, they do not get access to the relic, wall of trait, and such and such. So this means you can still, with this wall of trait, make them a member of a house and get the household trait, right? Yeah, exactly. So you pick up the full benefits of that. It's just not the, you know, like the side stuff that you would spend CP on. You can't use the stratagem. You don't get the relic. You don't get the wall of trait. But mm. you get whatever the given specific trait is. Sick. All right, give us the relic. The relic is awesome. So the relic is Bringer of Justice. It is each time the bear fights it makes an additional attack with this weapon. It is a Reaper Chain Sword. So it is essentially a Reaper Chain Sword that has two more points of strength, an additional point of AP on each side, and it gives you an extra attack. This thing is super duper good. I agree. I think this is uh it's up there with the best i'm not sure if this is better than more, the mortan one or which which well, i haven't done any math on this but this is this is extremely takeable i mean if you're taking if you're taking free blade lands you are taking this weapon oh yeah this is this comes with it you take a gallant you put this on it like yes. if you're taking free blade lands you can probably be doing those things dude you can so, it's, so your gallant starts with six attacks base 18 sweeps at strength 10 oh, yeah. minus three two damage yeah that's a thing yeah. <laughs> that's a thing you can have <laughs> uh love it yeah. all right uh into the first of the you strats uh, higher you can keep going that's just the base i know exactly it starts with that I'm, I'm assuming there's like one or two other ways to go higher um brothers and sisters in burden is the first of the strats one cp use your stratagem in your command phase if your army is dishonored select one free blade lance character model from your army until start of your next command phase the model has the following ability uh, brothers and sisters in burden aura while a friendly free blade lance model is within 12 of this character the honored chivalric ability from your selected o's are still active for this warlord this may mean different chivalric abilities are active for this models than active for others um so this replaces i guess the one that made them more like auto pass their leadership tests to not have their free, other their previous free blade burdens and the other mechanics yeah exactly. um, how, how important is this do you think um you have to like actively try to end up in Dishonored, so this strategy is a <laughs> bit of a stinker. But uh, it can happen. I don't know. It's pretty hard. Like you end up like because you have to get to negative or zero honor to end up in Dishonored. So like you're, it's so easy to gain to a turn that like you have to like like I was saying like you have to kind of almost actively try to end up here. <laughs> Yikes. All right, what's the next strat? The next strat is fantastic. They used to have this as well. Oh, it's yeah. called Strength yeah. from the Call. You use it in the shooting phase or in the fight phase when a free blade lance model from your army is selected to fight uh, or shoot until the end of the phase. While as so long as you are 12 inches away from any friendly models, you get to reroll hit, hit rolls of one and wound rolls of one. Fan freaking tastic. Yeah, like, it's super good. I mean, we were just freaking out about princeps because it lets you do this if you have a paladin. This is just anybody can do this. 
Well, it's right. I mean, it means if you take a free blade lance, you don't have to take the paladin, which in our estimation is unfortunately one of the worst starter sheets. Yep. Of the of the the options. So this is a, a beautiful little bit of uh, flexibility that you get. Um, next up is Deeds of Legend, which is one CP. You use a strat in any phase when a free blade lance model from your army destroys an enemy vehicle, monster, or character. Select one chivalric ability to the end of the battle. This model has that chivalric ability, and it is active for that model regardless of your army's current level of honor. If you selected the martial legacy ability, you can only reroll rolls made for this model. You can only use stratagem once. Um, we haven't got to the chivalric abilities, so naturally we can't really get much of the context, but Anthony's going to give us some. Yeah, so this is really good. That um, You can essentially use this to trigger certain effects that you might not otherwise have access to, because I don't think you need to have... Yeah, so it's not forcing you to pick ones that you've already picked. So there's all sorts of things that like are pretty good as far as chivalric abilities go, but the vow has too many downsides, so you don't really want to take it. But as an example, you can just pick up the ability to be plus one to hit in melee for the rest of the game with this. Or you can pick up the ability to, every time you're selected to shoot or fight, re-roll a hit or wound roll. Like, that's I'm super good, you, just for a CP. Neither of those things are trash. Yeah. What's amazing is that uh, this is not melee, this is not shooting, this is either either. And I gotta tell you, there are a lot of vipers, there are a lot of single land speeders, there are a lot of oh, crappy so much little... Nonsense. Oh, yeah. Cra- yeah, you can just get this turn one pretty easy. Yep, for sure. Oh, fantastic. All right, what's the last one? The last one is where the spice happens, Adam. This is where it gets real <laughs> crazy. So this is Favored Knight. So this is when you are mustering your army, select a Freeblade Lance character from your army that already has one relic. It gets to have a second. Booyah. What Big a coincidence. Deal. The next section is the relic section. Uh, but yeah, this is they had this before, and it was very good and it's only going to get better i'm going to tell you that the relic section of this book is one of the deepest relic sections in any book that we've ever seen it's extensive is the word yeah for sure their relics are like wall to i would take like five of these 100 percent. i was thinking the same thing about the exalted court things i'm like uh so if i'm imperialis uh can i take all five because i like all five (laughs) you know yeah yeah, you just need five big knights, which might be a little yeah. problematic points wise. <laughs> I don't think I don't think you can. Can you make five big knights characters? I don't know. I don't know if you can. Uh, you might not get across the line. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, uh, but yeah, fair enough. I feel like you have to just pick your top three, and maybe your top two if points get tight. But having two relics, freaking good, guys. Very good. Uh, and speaking of relics, the first one of that section is is uh, sanctuary. Four plus invulnerable save against melee attacks. It's only for Questorus or Armager class models. Um, so no longer can you take um uh the four plus on your Dominus classes. This is a bit of a problem. Uh, as a small spoiler, Dominus classes have been moved to a two-up, though, and with the plus one armor save against strat. incoming attacks strat, up till AP three, you're pretty much in a in you know you pretty much have this. But yeah, again, it costs you CP to do that. It's you know there's a lot that has to kind of go into that, and obviously past AP three, you're getting roasted. <laughs> yeah, is it is it okay for me to say this? It bothers me that this is only against melee attacks. Like, why does it? Uh, what I still have to pay a CP to rotate if they're shooting multi melters at me. That that kind of feels bad. Um, if I'm yeah. paying a CP, f- yeah, it kind of feels crap. And if I, yeah, yeah, it kind of feels bad. Um, yeah, it's a little feels bad for that. It gives you such a unique thing in knights that they don't have melee in one, so the access to one is like, ah, give me it, yeah. please. Well, oh, sorry, that, that's right. It used to yeah, give you a five other, plus. In other products, this wouldn't be good. 
Sorry, I'm thinking this is Ion Ball Walk, which is the four plus all the time. This is Sanctuary, which was a gave you uh, when you didn't have an invuln a five plus in combat. So this actually is an upgrade. Sorry, my 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 absolute forgiveness. This is actually an upgrade on the previous rally. Oh, there you go. Yeah, apologies, guys. Um, what's the next one? The next one is Ravager. This is a Reaper Chain Sword. It essentially gives you the exploding um, sixes to hit trait, and it has an additional point of AP over a regular Reaper Chain Sword. Which is pretty, pretty good. good. Yeah, pretty good. I mean, like, if I was House Mortan and had three, like, Questorus class knights that all had Reaper Chain Swords, I could have three baller chain, like, upgrades for them. Or two. So the other one's oh, in yeah. the, um, the. Well, I could I could have the one from the Freeblade Lands and Ravager. And I could have two Uber Chain Sword Boys, which would feel pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. The Reaper Chain Sword's a great profile in general. I really like it. I prefer it over the Fist by a good bit um for the most part uh so yeah it's definitely oh, really good oh you got yeah. the cheeky one <laughs> the next I, one is real good yeah helm of a nameless warrior um questor imperialis class at questor imperialis armager models only each time the bearer makes a melee attack on an unmodified root roll of six that attack inflicts a number of mortal wounds equal to the damage characteristic of the attack and the attack sequence ends <gasps> this is very good <laughs> yeah so remember a minute ago when we were able to take two relics yes yes and remember there was a chainsword that gave us more attacks yes i do and and remember that that was in a free blade lance where you could pick up competitive edge yes i do and we note how at the bottom of helm of the nameless warrior it says the attack sequence ends uh-huh oh no there we go so they don't get to well, make oh, a yes, save depending on your perspective well <laughs> we've got another we've yeah they've got to close this loop though this is a this i mean they let they let Cult of Strife do this forever against us. So surely they're not good. Surely this is as intended, right? It's got to be. Well, they let they cut down the Cult of Strife one, but this is a lot more like the orc brutal but cunning thing that was oh, going true. on, where the yep. the squig would do mortals, and that that went untouched. Um, so maybe this just skates, but like the theoretical maximum of mortal wounds that this guy can kick out is like eighty something if you just roll all sixes, uh, no. which is. <laughs> bananas <laughs> absolutely bongers um yeah yeah just 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 on the one we talked about where you have the 18 swings that are going to hit on twos and then wound on twos and then you can have some real ones to wound given to you by a by a paladin or a couple of other places or the cp strat for for being a free bait lance which is how you get the, the extra attack reaper chainsword um you can yep. just like oh well here's here's 16 saves um, oh wait, sorry, no. Three of these are immortal wounds, and I get to make three more attacks, which is another mortal wounds. And I did. You don't get the competitive edge on the sweep. You only you have to use the strike. I'm happy about that. At least there's something to restrain the ferocity. Yeah, sort of though, right? Because like if you roll a six to wound with the strike, you just do six mortal wounds, and then you get another attack. Another another flat six damage attack to swing in, which hits on yeah, which is gonna hit on twos again because you're a gallant probably. Anyway, moving on. We'll unpack more of that in part two, because we can go down that rabbit hole to our heart's content. Um, Help of Dominatus, tell us a story. Alrighty, so this is a Questorus model with a Bondsman ability only at the end of your command phase. At the end of each of your command phases, you can select an Armager that's being affected by the Bondsman ability. While the bearer is on the battlefield, that ability will affect the Armager until the end of the battle instead of the end of the command phase, or until the Armager is affected by another Bondsman ability. That's pretty Crap. good. Crap. 
yeah, very good. Especially when you can do your Bondsman ability twice because you've got an Exalted Court ability. So you just be like, you Halverin, always hit on twos. You Halverin, always hit on twos. Go off and do some stuff. And then, you only uh, pick one, though. So you'd only, in that scenario, you pick one that gets it for the rest of the game. Oh, uh, because this one says specifically picks one. Yeah, pick one. Good. Good. <laughs> yeah. Well, otherwise, it's a nightmare because then you do it in Imperialis and you bubble yes. advance and charge and give it to yeah. everybody until the end of the game. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, this rabbit hole goes <laughs> even deeper, but I'm happy you're here to rein in my enthusiasm. <laughs> um, next up is Endless Fury. Um, we know this. This was a staple for so long because it did so much good stuff. Um, I unfortunately think regular Avenger Gatling cannons are bad now. Uh, I think Armor Contempts makes them pretty awful because I, I hate to tell you guys, they stayed exactly the same in profile from where they were. Um, 12 shots, strength yep. 6, minus 2, 2 damage. Endless Fury, however, 36 inch range, assault D6 plus 12. So min 13. Oh. Up to 18, strength 6, minus 3. That's the kicker. You need that minus 3 now and still flat 2 damage. Is this is this phenomenal in every list? Oh, man, yeah. If you have a model with a Gatling cannon, you should be taking this. This thing is super duper good. I mean, it gives you a level of volume that you don't really get in nights. Like, all your shots on all your guns are always, like, 2d6 or, like, yeah. maybe 6 or, like, whatever. This thing is like, that unit, kill it. Go away. <laughs> well, when you just need to kill, like, five dudes in cover, you really freaking struggle. Like, the Brelic Battle Cannon just doesn't do it. Um, there are so many things that just will not pick up five intercessors in cover. No, like, it's, uh, it's, it, it, it's actually a bit a bit concerning for the army. Um this is where Endless Fury comes in and just does that job for you because you're gonna get you're gonna get what? Roll a three, you got fifteen shots, maybe hitting on twos, possibly. Uh, or or hitting on threes rolling once to hit once to wound. You're just gonna ice them. Yeah. All right. Oh Next yeah. Up. Especially once you consider that this can go on the guy that uses the Mechanicus stuff. It's super wild. Like the damage Spot gets on. out of hand very quickly with Endless Fury. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll take uh, Armor of the Sainted Iron. The Armor of Sainted Iron, and then I'll get the best named oh. relic in the book. Hell yeah. <laughs> that is a good one. All right. So the Armor of the Sainted Ion is just a Questorus or an Armager class model. They get a save of a two up. It's just a flat two up save, which is Hasn't honestly, changed. it's fine. Yeah, it's unchanged, but it's really lame when you consider like what other books get. Like they get That's like true. a two up and then a feel no pain or a two up and yeah. minus one damage or a two or up a toughness. And literally yeah. anything. Yeah, two up and a toughness. Like give me like I get that this is going on a night, right? Like it's a big expensive model. They're probably worried about like what the power level of that can look like. But this is just kind of not a great relic. Yeah. And yeah, I still feel like this is gonna be this is actually good value into a lot of armies. Um but it, it kind of sucks. Oh, yeah. 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 You'll I mean, still use it sometimes, but it's just not very good. <laughs> I mean, ta- taking a three up against non rending, um, like shuriken shots feels pretty good. Uh, so there is some, yep. there is some play there. Um, the next up is the bastard's helm. Just, just <laughs> sit down, everybody. <laughs> Let me tell you about the bastard's helm. Um, Armature class model only. <laughs> Each time the bearer uh, makes a melee, makes an attack, add one to that attack's wound roll. The bearer cannot be affected by any bondsman abilities or any knightly teachings, but gains the following ability. Bastard's Helm, Bondsman. In your command phase, you can select one other friendly noble household armature class model within 12 of this model. And so start of your next command phase, each time that armature class model makes an attack, add one to the wound roll. So it gets you get plus one to wound on this guy, and it gives plus one to wound to another armager as, as, as a bondsman ability, essentially. I love this thing. 
This thing's super good if you take a pair of Helvern to sit at home. Yes, that's exactly what I think I'm thinking. I'm freaking amazing. The only issue is like if you took yep. the Crusader double Helvern package, the, the Crusader uh so one of the yeah, oh, holy crap. So the one with the bastard's helm can't get it, but the one without the bastard's helm can still get plus one BS and then plus one to wound because the, the bondsman ab- oh no, it is a bondsman ability in brackets. Yeah, you'd have, uh, you'd have to. Well, you can take an upgrade to fix that, though, right? Like one of the high yeah. court upgrades. Yeah. Does that? Oh, uh, could let you double up. Yeah. Except, um, I mean, the the bastard's helm specifically says it cannot be affected by any bondsman abilities or knightly teachings. The bearer. Right? Yeah, the bearer. Yeah, yeah. But the other one can still. Exactly. The other one's going to be a god. He's like the. Yeah. like as good as as good as the freaking crusader. <laughs> yeah, he's going to do his best. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And, and the name is just like the icing. Yeah, the name is fantastic. All right, what's next? Up next is Mark of the Omnissiah, which is a Questor Mechanicus, Questorus class, or Armager class only. At the end, at the start of each of your command phases, phases the model's repaired and regains D3 lost wounds. It can be repaired once per turn. This stacks yep. with the Sacristan Pledge Questor Allegiance Oath, meaning at the start of every one of your command phases, the model regains D3 plus one wounds. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. There's too much awesome stuff in here for me to think that's going to make the, the cut often. I absolutely agree. Fair. All right. <laughs> Banner of Macarius Triumphant. Sick name as well, because Macarius was a mad dog. Um, Crystal Imperialis class model only. It has obsec. The model gets obsec. If every unit from your army is has Imperial Knights keyword, excluding agents of the Imperium and unaligned, then you start the battle with one additional honor point. But if the bear is destroyed, you lose an honor point. Um, bit of give and take there. I don't like pay, usually, pay, usually paying a CP for something that has any downsides. Feels a bit sucks. Yep. But this is this is kind of this is pretty palatable. Palatable. If it wasn't so easy to get obsec on your big guys already, then this yeah. would be a lot better. Yeah, because they're, they're like we're saying, there is an oath um, tree that'll just get you it by being. Is it on it gets you it, or is it being virtuous? Uh, gives you virtuous. It. Just just get just gets it to you. Um, all right, yeah. what's next? Next up is the mentor seal. This only goes on a knight preceptor model. It knows an additional knightly teaching, and every time it recounts the teaching, add one to the roll to see if it's inspiring. So they essentially go off on two ups. And he knows four of the six. Four. Four of the six. So all the good yeah. ones, essentially. Yeah, and one of the bad ones, because there's not that many good ones. There's not that many good ones. Yeah, I was about to say, there's, I, I think there's four good ones. There's like three good <laughs> ones in one situation. Yeah. Um, next up is the Heart of Iron. Yeah, exactly. Um, Crystal Mechanicus class or... Yeah, Christorus or Mechanicus Armiga. Um, once per turn at the end of your command phase, the bearer can use this relic. When it does, the bearer suffers one mortal wound. You must select one weapon the bearer is equipped with, and until the start of your next command phase, add one to the bearer's move characteristic. Add one to advance and charge rolls made for the bearer, and each time the bearer makes an attack with a selected weapon, add one to the attack's wound roll. Um, okay. So you can use you can have two relics. Powerful. You can have two relics, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm seeing a thing here. Plus one to wound on Endless Fury. Yeah, baby. Oof. Plus okay. one to wound Claws Wrath. Yes. Which we didn't get to yet. We haven't got to yet. <laughs> or you know, Traitor's Pyre or uh okay, yeah, this is nice. This is real nice. I like it. Yeah. This one's powerful. Uh the extra move and stuff also helps a ton. Because you could, theoretically, if you wanted to put this on a shooty knight, you could make him count as House Raven with the Warlord trait from the Freeblade uh, Lance, and then be advancing and shooting with a plus one to wound Endless Fury that on sixes to wound does mortal wounds. That's, ah! that's also now an assault weapon as well, so double down as in it shoots at full profile, 
when you advance with House Raven. Yep. Spicy. Everybody's spicy. Spicy goodness. This is this is nice. All right. The PG is up next. The Paragon Gauntlet, dude. This is a model with a Thunderstrike Gauntlet only. It replaces the Gauntlet with the following profile. Essentially just a bit more AP and an additional point of damage on each profile. And each time an attack is made with this weapon on a unmodified wound roll of six, no invulns. So if this guy smacks you with his gauntlet and rolls a six to wound, you take an AP four nine damage save. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if knights take off in a big way, this is the knight killing juggernaut like weapon. You will. Sp- oh yeah, he just blasts enemy knights. Absolutely, just backhands them to bits. Um, I I get why I get why you struggle with the the, the gauntlets in general because they're only ran two on their sweep and they only get two Buff, hit rolls. Yeah, yeah, only get two hit rolls instead of three. Um, if they still got three, I could I could take it a lot more because you just have enough attacks to get the damage three in because that's that's the exchange, guys. Um, yep. The Reaper Chainsword has uh, AP three damage two, and then the gauntlet has AP two damage three. So essentially, think of them like a power fist and a um a yeah, thunder hammer. hammer. Yep. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I struggle with I'm I'm on board with you. I do struggle with the fact it's AP two. Yeah. Same. Uh, next up is Trader's Pyre, um, a Valiant model only. It replaces the Conflagration Cannon. This used to be the bee's knees for what you could what, what, a lot of different combinations, especially the old Hawks Route build where you'd have like a, a cloud of Armagers and you couldn't charge any of them, otherwise you get um, overwatched by the Trader's Pyre and absolutely destroyed. It is now range 18, heavy 3d6, strength 8, minus 2, 2 damage. Um, it auto-wounds, and on a wound roll of a 6, invulnerable saves cannot be taken. So automatically hits, and on a wound roll of 6, you get no invuln. Only AP2 again, though. AP2 what do you think? Your invuln is, like, real flaccid. Well, because, you know, oh, cool, you're, you're a space arena in cover, <laughs> you get your armor save. <laughs> yeah, you get a 3-up. <laughs> just or take like, your... Just makes yeah. no impact upon that armor save. Yeah, you can kill <laughs> the shit out of some witches with this. Oh, man, those witches. <laughs> Wish they'd never yeah. been born. <laughs> yeah, they're in trouble. They're like some uh, grotesques or something. I don't know. This yeah. makes me sad. It does. It makes me sad too, man. I expected. I ex- when I if I had made a prediction about what Traders Pyre and the Conflagration Cannons would look like prior to seeing the Codexes, I would have said, "Oh, they're going to be like six plus two d six or six plus two, like." Or, or it's going to be four or five D3 shots, you know? It's going to be a, a sick minimum amount of shots. But the fact you yeah. can take this relic and just get three shots still sucks. Oh, yeah. Sucks yeah. so much. I, I mean, if we go by the rest of ninth edition, right, you would have expected these to be like 2D6 plus six, strength nine, neg four, damage three, die. Yes. Like you get shot yeah. by this thing, you're dead. Dead. Like, enough. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly right. Well, I... In the in the car, I'm hoping there's a meta around the corner that makes me feel good about this weapon and good about yeah. the Valiant in general. Because I'll tell you right now, I'm quite down on the Valiant. Um, but it is not this meta. Yeah, that's uh, super reasonable. Like, yeah, you could serve to add one to every characteristic on this thing. Like, it could add you could add you know like a couple inches to range. It could be 46 strength nine, AP three, damage three, and then like we talk about it taking it. Then it's really yeah. good. It'd be but sick. like as it as it sits, uh... well, the thing is, at that profile, it's still not broken. Like it, it gets an average no, of ten that's shots. That's good. Yeah, it's average yeah. ten shots. I mean, it's still a huge amount of stuff. It just does not kill. Like doesn't doesn't. I mean, transhuman intercessors and cover it, live that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. Um, all right, calls Rass up next. Call's Wrath is essentially a plasma decimator that does not overheat. So it is a forty-eight inch range, heavy two D six. 
Strength 8, Meg 4, 3 damage gun with the blast roll. This could not have been more beige. Yeah, this is uh, very strong, the crowd goes mild energy. This is totally <laughs> fine. <laughs> just, for, just for context, you lose a pip of strength for this. Yeah, so, right, because the overload is strength 9. Exactly right. So you are worse into other knights than a regular Castellan. Oh, and you and and you paid a so CP sad. probably for this relic. I know it feels sad. It feels like they tried really hard to not make Dominus class knights broken, and in in and what they did in fact is make them boring. Yeah, they tripped and made them bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, hopefully they're not bad, but they're, at a minimum they're not spicy fun. I can do a bunch of stuff with them. Um, right. Right. Yep. That's yeah. Because remember, remember what we said before about um. Like, uh, if you you can't, you're not really good in combat unless you have a melee weapon. So these two these two knights don't can't even do anything in melee. They can't even kill like a, a unit of guardsmen uh, in melee because they've only got three attacks. Oh yeah, no, they need to they need to like burn down the house with their shooting, and it just yes. doesn't. Other, yeah, otherwise they don't. They just don't don't bother um the last one of the relics is judgment a model with a storm spear rocket pod only judgment replaces the stompy rocket pod of course it is range 48 heavy three strength eight minus two d3 plus three damage and it can target units not visible to the bearer um i quietly like this but i don't like how much storm spear rocket pods cost so i doubt i'm gonna take it well also this thing is giving marines a two up in cover yeah, I'm not thinking about Marines because, I mean, uh, we're at the point already where, like, trying to think about Knights into Marines hurts my soul. I'm thinking about trying to kill Rhinos, Void Weavers. Um, I mean, a Rhino out of line of sight gets a three up against this. I, I know. I, I'm aware. <laughs> it hurts. Yeah, this is. This is this, you're not paying a CP for this. There's so it much. Let's get into Void stuff. Weavers. I'll give you that. That one, that yeah. one works. That yeah. tracks. What blows is that uh, the relic section was absolutely cranked until we got to the last three. <laughs> yeah, that was just mega sad. <laughs> I'm going to get Seamus to clip off the last five minutes of our relic stuff. We can just stop at the freaking Paragon Gauntlet and we'd be happier men. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we can um, just roll back those couple of minutes. Yeah, but the, even the PG like started to decline. The PG is good, but the, the fists in general aren't yeah, great. Okay. Yeah, for what yeah. for what it does. The part of Ion, though is wild. It's oh, we should have stopped there. That thing is amazing. Yeah, that thing's super good. <laughs> Big fan of that. <laughs> one. All right, jumping in to the Warlord traits. Uh, first one is Cunning Commander. This used to be the one that gave you CP. It is still the one that gives you CP. Uh, the study command phase. If this ward is on the battlefield, roll a d6 on a five plus, you get another CP. Uh, meh. Bit boring, but does what it says. This book does not struggle for CP gain though, so you don't really need this. Yeah, I was about to say this doesn't. This uh, it's a five turn game. Maybe on average you get this twice, so maybe this is yeah. two CP. Like, and okay, if you think about it like that, that's cool. But then you go a game where you don't roll a single five. Yeah, maybe you don't go a game where you don't go roll a single five, and you're like, wow, awful. And you probably don't take it again after that game happens. Yeah, yeah, and it also costs you a CP most likely. Exactly. So on average, at best, it gives you one CP, maybe none. Maybe cost yeah. you a CP with no gain. I don't like that. Um, I wish it was a four plus, but yeah, like the it, like the wall of, a three plus. Like Tal oh, get a CP on a two plus. What are we doing? Well, um, <laughs> chapter chapter masters give you on a four plus, and that's what I was that's what I was going off. Like oh, the equivalents, fair, I guess, yeah. the equivalents that's are fair. there for this to be better than this than it is. Yeah. Anyway, next is yours. Next up is Blessed by the Sacristans, one of the most powerful ones. This is each time this warlord makes a ranged attack. 
On an unmodified wound roll of six, that attack inflicts a mortal wound on the target in addition to normal damage to a maximum of six. Now, this Amazing. used to be pick a gun, and it is not anymore. No longer. <laughs> yep. Um, when you have a crusader that has two, possibly six shot stubbers, in addition to like two d six. Um, whatever you got from your, your carapace amount, 2d6 from your battle cannon or d6 from your, your thermal cannon, up to 18 shots from your Endless Fury, it's just six models in the bank. Oh, yeah, all day, just every time. I love it. Yeah, it's super good. And they're limited per unit, so, like, you can deal them to different units. Like, it's capped at, like, if you split shoot, you can do six to this unit, six to this unit, six to this unit, if you roll oh, like a madman. Um, oh, my God, you are correct. Wow. Yeah, yeah baby. Oh yikes! That okay. one trade's real good. Very good. <laughs> that's the one you always. Think. Yes, that's like yeah. So far, that's the start with it on your list. Ion Bulwark's up next. This wall has a four-up invulnerable save against ranged attacks. Also very good. It's possibly paying. You're going to pay one CP for it because it's going to save you two or three rotates during that throughout the game, and it's going to be a value proposition. I agree with it. Yeah, for sure. Those rotates are 2 CP now, so this is big value. Oh, absolutely right. And the best value is is that you have two Questorus Knights left on the table, and essentially they're both 4-up involved. So there's no baiting anything out, there's no yep. them trying to play mind games with you, they just have to go through the stats check, which I like. Yeah, exactly. That's a huge part of what Knights are good at, being able to force it is even better. Yeah, good point out with the 2 CP change as well. Yeah, um, it's a, yeah, huge it's a deal. big deal. Uh, Alright, up next... All right, we got Knight Seneschal, which adds one to this Warlord's attack characteristic, which you will remember from our earlier friend, seven. that that's a big deal. And we're up, even we're if you're seven, everybody. dishonored, <laughs> the honor seven, seven, the amount of attacks that can maybe happen twice. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, even if your army is dishonored, the honored ability is always active for this Warlord. So, yep, that's good. He just, he doesn't care about your honor points. He's just doing his thing. F fantastic. Love it. Um, Next up is the former Evergreen Landstrider, which uh, now adds two to this Warlord's move characteristic. Each time an advance roll is made for this Warlord, treat any dice roll of a one or a two as a three instead. And each time a charge roll is made for this Warlord, treat any dice as a one or a two as a three instead. So it's min advance three, min charge six, with plus two to your move. I think that's very good still. Mind you, it used to give plus two to advance, is it plus two to move and advance, or plus two to min move and charge in an aura? But it used to give it an aura, I remember. Yeah, it not giving it an aura is a little feels bad, but it would be truly ludicrous how fast you could move a bunch of armagers if this was still true. an aura, so true. I kind of get it. Yeah, I, I agree, though. I think this is this is the only one that I could conceptualize maybe having a Serastus for, um, because the Serastus, uh, yeah. Yeah, the Serastus was, would then go um, uh, 14, have a 14-inch move and then would have a min 6 charge. So if you, are within, if you are within 20 inches of it, you are getting charged. Like at all times, and so I, I like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's super good. Last one. All right, on to revered, revered knight. Uh, at the start of the fight phase, if this warlord is in an engagement range, it can fight first. If every unit in your army has imperial knight keyword, and this warlord is part of your army, then you start the battle with an additional honor point. But if he dies, you lose one. Hmm. How do you feel about this? It's okay. I don't value fight first basically at all, uh, unless it's like an army wide rule. When it's army wide, it's very powerful. When it's single unit, it's much less interesting. Um, yeah, and the second part is kind of what you were saying when we were talking about the relic that had it. It's upside downside. It's cool that you start with an extra one, uh, but if he just crumbles, you obviously lose one, and that can throw off your game plan, especially yeah. if he dies earlier than you were expecting him to. Yeah, and I hate unnecessarily painting targets on my my models. 
like telling my opponent yeah. which ones to kill. I hate anything that does that for them, like makes their life easier. Um, so yeah, I don't know how I feel about that one. Yeah, it's okay. There's there's two or three great ones here, so you don't really need to venture outside that oh, too too much. There's there's I can, there's four amazing ones. The first one and the last one I can't make a case for. Or the middle four, take whichever ones you like. They're all good. Yep. Um, not nightly teachings up next. This is your canticles. This is your um ch- your chaplain chants now that can be um issued by anything with the mentor keyword with the preceptor starts with and canis rex and then you can give it to them with an exalted court to somebody else um and i hear nothing but good things about these so let's kick this off virtue of courage is up first this is an aura if this teaching is inspiring whilst a noble household armiger class model is within six of this mentor each time that model makes an attack and on a modified hit roll of six one additional hit is scored did i hear lightning locks last episode did we did we talk about lightning locks last episode because we did bada bing bada boom Triple exploding lightning locks. Let's let's do this party. Yeah, it's big. This is real serious. Uh, this one works on both sides. This works in melee and at range. So if you can get oh. double value in any way, shape, or form, this is super good. Well, did you just roll one one six on your thermal lance with your uh, oh yeah armor, your warglaive, and you're just like, wow, I, that that freaking rhino I wasn't going to kill is now dead, and my warglaive gets to gobble up the repentia. This just feels amazing. Yeah, big big deal on that. And uh, when you're playing the mask armager build this and two of the other ones here are like part of what make it tick all right uh what's next next up is oath of justice which is if this teaching is inspiring on armager class model is within six of this mentor if it is being affected by any chivalric abilities you count as having two more honor points than you do uh currently this allows you to have different abilities active this is cool but not always going to be super relevant uh two is a really weird amount to add because you start on one and you typically get to a turn. Uh, yeah. So it kind of like turns things on maybe a turn sooner, but what those abilities that it's adding are, aren't always super relevant and something that you necessarily want to be chanting for. Yeah. Spot on. Also, I'm, I struggle with these ones because they just like add a bubble of unique bookkeeping. This army already has quite a bit of bookkeeping. And now all of a sudden yeah. you've got this bubble of, okay, another, another whole, thing that i need to explain to my opponent i need to be up and straight up and down on and we're gonna be in and, 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 uh, and because of that i fear taking stuff like this because i feel it just opens up the game to more confusion yeah this definitely can make things more confusing and then like it messes up i don't know about like you adam but for me it messes up my flow as a player when i'm trying to like under like even on my own army like flow through my turn and be like all right these have this buffs this will do this yeah. this adds like a weird like oh except for the stuff over there that stuff, it might be slightly higher if this chant goes off, but if it doesn't, then I'm kind of screwed because I planned around. I don't know. I don't, I don't love stuff like this in general, and it specifically as it applies to knights, there are much better chants, I think. Fair enough. On to the next one. Folly of Mercy. If this teaching is inspiring, select one noble household armor class model within 12 of this mentor. That model can perform an action and make a normal move and shoot without that action failing. This is. I feel like this is extremely important. This is extremely important for something that we haven't covered yet. One of their their shadow operations secondary has you doing actions, um, and the ability to action and still shoot is extremely good because their shadow operations secondary is a real points factory if you can get it online. But using an action with as expensive models as knights use is can be a little rough. But this kind of turns that downside into basically nothing because you just shoot anyway. Yes, exactly right. Um, and you're knights. You can't afford to not be doing everything all the time. Like, you have to just be moving, fighting, shooting in every turn. Um, all right. 
Next one. Next one's the best one. It's your turn to read, Anthony. Did I lose you? You still here? Um, yeah. Oh, is it? I thought it was you. I just read <laughs> no, the following of Mercy. No, you read the I read the following of Mercy. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting it's, it's past midnight. We're, we're, we're falling apart. It's okay. Knight's Faith. If the teaching is inspiring, while a noble household armager is within six of this mentor, each time that armager class model would lose her wound, roll a d6. On a six up, that wound is not lost. If this is under the effects of a bondsman ability, that wound is not lost on a roll of a five up oh, instead. This dearie. is nuts. <laughs> Everyone yes. remembers how like, durable Thick City was. This is infinitely worse. What if all the Talos had a better invulnerable save, more wounds, and counted as five model obsec? This mm-hmm. aura is crazy good. And, you, and so there is a there is the exalted ability to make your bondsman ability an aura. Which yeah. So how many Armagus can you get into that aura? All of them is the answer because <laughs> it's a big yeah, it's a big base. A, six inches from that giant like seven or eight inch night base, you got plenty of yes. space. You could just have just you got a preceptor, and it's just a literal ring. Of Warglaves and Helverins, just the entire base. And they've all got a five plus feel no pain. And some of them can be toughness eight, you know, through other mechanics. Like, this is oh, yeah. so strong. Yeah, this is incredibly powerful. I was shocked the first time I read it. I could not believe it. Uh, yeah, incredible. All right. Uh, next up. So, that, so far, that's just, that has broken my brain. Um, the Warrior's Hope. If this teaching is inspiring, select one Noble Household Armager class model within 12 of this mentor. Select one oath from the code Shiv- Shivaric um, that is not active for your army. That oath is active for that Armager class model. It gains all the relevant chivalric abilities from your army's level of honor, but does not gain the pleasure or troth. Note this oath is active very, even if every unit from your army does not have the Imperial Knights keyword. So this is the way to give the monofaction buff to an Armager when you are, say... Taking a, a supplementary force to another army in soup. I think this is pretty bad, though. Like, right? This is yeah. Like, it has the bookkeeping problem that the other one has, where it's like this guy has this thing, and everybody else has a different thing, and it's like I don't know. It's 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 hard to track in a way that feels open with your opponent. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. It's real weird. Uh, anyway, we'll move on. What's the next one? What's the last one? Last one is Wisdom of Nobility, which is when, while this teaching is inspiring, select a noble armager within 12 of this mentor. Each time that armager class model is selected for a bondsman ability, you can select another armager within six of that model and both get it. So it's another double-double, like it's another pass-the-buck bondsman ability. Yeah, exactly. So you you put this on one, he slings it to his buddy. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's not bad. I don't think it makes the top cut, like when you said there's three here that clearly stand out. That's the one that I thought was the good flexibility of the four. When I said you can take four on if you super upgrade one of your preceptors. Um, I think it's one, three, four, right? It's the exploding sixes are nuts. It's the do an action and still shoot. And the um, the freaking feel no pain. Oh my god. That the you were just is insane. I well, would you get three when you, when you just take a preceptor and you get three of these? Like, yeah, he just knows three. If oh my god, if you were taking any number, unless you are taking four freaking Questorus models and they by default only have like one, maybe two Armagers, any other co- configuration, I gotta make an argument of taking a preceptor. These things are why these things are so strong. Yeah, these are absolutely crazy. Like I was saying, in the like Imperialis, like Armager heavy build. 
this is like mandatory. You can't even yeah. think about leaving home without this. Agreed. All right, jumping down to the secondaries. The first of these is Jewel of Honor. Um, I understand there's one of these that is very good. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that one for you, uh, which actually will work out that way. Um, if you yep. select this, this is Jewel of Honor. It's in Purge of the Enemy. If you will select this objective, then before the battle, after you have deployed armies, you must identify your opponent's warlord and the two units from your opponent's army that have the highest point of value, excluding your opponent's warlord, Allah, their last, uh, the last choices, which is cool, and make a note of them on your army roster. If two or more units are tired, your opponent can choose between them. Your opponent can choose between them. I hate that. If your opponent opponent's army has three or fewer units then you instead identify all the units in their army. A unit's points cost includes all the weapons, up gear, blah, 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 blah. At the end of the battle, for each identified army unit that has been destroyed, you score a number of victory points um, if that unit was destroyed during the battle by Imperial's Knights from your army. The number of victory points scored depends on how the enemy unit was destroyed. It is shown in the matter of destruction table below. Um, honor to the king. The unit was destroyed by a melee attack made by your warlord. Five points. Um, personal combat, the unit was destroyed by a melee attack made by um, any other Imperial Knights model from your army. Four points. Um, cowardly Cur, <laughs> the unit was destroyed because it was not on the battlefield at the end of the battle, so they're so counted as destroyed. Um, and last one, the enemy was destroyed by any other means. Um, so if you shoot it dead, it's three points, is, is what I read there. Um, and if you melee it dead, it's a min four, if not five. Um, this is terabad. Yeah, this one's like too much. Like this is like all the hallmarks of a bad rule. It's really niche. Your opponent gets to decide if you get it. It's a bunch of bookkeeping, and the upside is not that great. Against other knights, this is to this is for the lulls. Let's let's smash, son. Let's get in and smash because oh, that's yeah. going to be a fun yeah, time. Let's get in here and have a bash against any competent opponent who has an army built competently. As in most best, most of the best armies out there are built to take to the last. In addition to a bunch of other secondaries, they just take to the last and play to the last, and they give you zero points on the secondary because they're playing to not let you have those points. And therefore, if you don't get them, the slingshot effect happens. You lose for not getting points, and they gain. And guess what? They've got a great list. They're probably very good at doing it anyway. The only argument I can see for this is, and this is only because like this is going to be a, a future thing I call back to when we do the chaos book. Um, you can take reverse to the last stuff as a bet, essentially, that you're making with your opponent that one of you will be wrong. That like That's true. I think that I can do this, and yeah. if I'm correct, the point swing will be so catastrophic that I can basically never score primary and still win this game. That is true, though, because yeah, if they do say to the last, you take this and you get them. They're annihilated. That's the game's over. Oh, like, yeah, the rest of the the rest of the table almost doesn't matter. Right. Exactly. That'll break their back pretty hard because, yeah, as we'll talk about, knights are pretty good at. They're not good at a lot of secondaries, but the ones they're good at, they're really, really good at. So the ability to just take like this grind and strangle in a world where you're like, I'm right, you're wrong, those are dead. <laughs> if you're right. You might not always be right, but if you it's are true. right, it's a huge point swing. Also, Agreed. you get a cheeky extra point victory point for this if you kill their warlord. I was about to say, there's a, there's a couple of bits of extra text. If you kill, um, if you get the honor of the king, which is the five points for your warlord killed um, one of them in melee, you get one honor point. If uh, at the end of the battle the enemy's warlord has been destroyed, you gain one additional victory point. Um, so it's, it's a it's a wall. Even if you didn't, even if you didn't kill it, if they perilsed, you know, you get a point. Yeah. That guy um, just explodes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's some little caveats there that make it a little bit unpalatable, but not by much. Anyway, yeah. next one's yours. It's not a good one, but it's like don't like don't just like immediately discount it because there are some games yeah. where you're gonna like 
have to kill their to the last. Like you're just losing if you don't. So like understand that going into the game and that's going to take time to realize, but like, it's not always terrible. It's just not often good. If that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, what's this next one? Next one is honor of the house. This is the best one. Cause it's basically 13 for showing up. So this is, if you select this objective at the end of the battle round, if you have six honor points, or if you have more honor points than you did at the start of the battle round, get two victory points. At the end of the battle, if you're virtuous, get three. If you're honored, get two. If you're somehow dishonored at the end of the battle, reduce the victory points you have scored from this by three. If you make it to the end of the battle and you're yeah. dishonored, I don't even know how you did that. Like, Shame. I don't even... Shame yeah. on you. Shame. Yeah, you deserve to lose points for it. The, the other night players need to get out their uh, squirty bottles and squirt you because you have yeah. more shame. <laughs> yeah, they get the bell uh, from Game of Thrones going, yeah. the angry lady. Yeah. Like, march, shame. You get, march you out of yeah, the building. Yeah, exactly. Uh, does this compete with any other good secondaries for knights? So it's in No Mercy, No Respite. So there's an argument that it competes with To The Last, but I'm actually of the opinion that To The Last is not very good for knights because you do tend to die. Um, it does, however, compete with Grind and No Prisoners, which is which can be problematic because a lot of armies now give up No Prisoners because Terminators are so popular. Um, yep. So if you're of the opinion that you're going to be able to kill Terminators and in a properly built Knights list, you are able to do that. Great. Take No Prisoners. However, if you're playing the like Armager spam, I hold objectives and I don't die build, this fills out your need to then kill. Great. Because then you're like, I don't need to kill anything. I just need to be in places. I'm going to take this. I'm going to take Stranglehold. I'm going to take something else. And we're good to go. Um, It just depends on how your list is built. This will often be very good because lots of lists do give up a regular kill secondary. So you take a regular kill secondary, this which is free points essentially, and Stranglehold and just be good to go. 100% agree. I actually... I actually really like this secondary. Um, it's it's this this. I want to be stable. I don't want to take risks. I'm expecting to lose one to two big knights. I'll uh, I'd maybe get five until the last. This is just straight up better than that. Yeah, for almost no risk or investment. So, yeah, like it's stuff just, you're already going to be doing. Exactly, just about no risk. Anyway, next one is up uh, is uh in the battlefield supremacy slot. This is yield no ground. Um, you should let this objective at the end of your turn. You score victory points as follows for a maximum of five victory points. Score two victory points if you control half or more of the total number of objective markers on the battlefield, and one or more imperial night models from your army are within range of each of those objective markers. Score two victory points if no enemy units excluding aircraft are wholly within your deployment zone. And then score one victory point so long as no Imperial Knights units from your army ended the turn closer to your battlefield edge, then started, and no Imperial Knights fell back. The secondary cannot be scored in the first battle round. This is the one that got given in um, Chapter Approved, right? Yeah, exactly. This one's been around for a little bit. Uh, I tried this in one of my test games and immediately really disliked it. So, like, I'm very biased off the result of that one game. Like, the... For some reason, the ability losing the ability to fall back was like really awkward because there's like a lot of times where you want to be doing that. Um, and also, it's in the same category as Stranglehold, which is just like so easy as knights that it for me it's very difficult to want to take this. Uh, I couldn't could not agree more, dude. Um, the fact just the fact that it competes with Stranglehold and Stranglehold is like the bread and butter secondary of the entire game, um, and yep. this doesn't. Really, it, it tells you to do stranglehold as part of one of the conditions of this. So just take right. stranglehold. <laughs> you know? Do that and score points and take one of the different knight secondaries. It's not yeah. like you can take this and one of the other ones here. Exactly. So yeah, it's it's uh, it's not great for a couple of reasons. So with less the big boy till last, my man, tell us a story. 
Alrighty, so Shadow Operations, which is not an area of secondaries you normally expect to be doing as knights. <laughs> if you select this objective, then Imperial Knights units from your army can attempt the following action. One Imperial Knights model from your army can, can start to perform this action at the end of your movement phase. If it is within, not wholly within, just within, six inches of the center of the battlefield. That action is completed at the end of your turn, provided the unit is still within six inches of the battlefield. Each time a unit from your army completes this action, you score three points if it was non-Titanic, you score four points if it was completed by a Titanic model, and you get an additional victory point if it was completed by a character model. On a four-up, you gain an honor point. Just as a cherry on top for essentially Oath of Moment. Like, yeah, it's, it's so good. Mm-hmm. Well, the fact is three, it's three points with an Armager means that like you can take a couple of turns like not exposing your big guys and just use your little dudes to go and get it for a couple just to keep up in the points. And then, oh, cool, they're coming oh, yeah. to contest the middle. Well, okay, we'll go in, beat, beat them from the middle of the table and then start getting the four points and the five pointers. Um, yeah, and, and so each, each time you do the action, even if it's with, with a, a baby knight, you get to roll the four plus to get another point. That's sick. Yeah. It's it's really easy to just accidentally trip and be it like into virtuous with into this. virtuous, yeah. Um, um, yeah, this this secondary is amazing. This is like I want to be taking this almost every game. I want to be on strangle this and a kill secondary and just I was, we control yeah. the middle of the board. We control mm -hmm. the objectives. Good to go. And then it's just whether it's whether it's grind or no prisoners or you know bring it down or whatever makes the most sense to you at the time. Yeah, fascinate um, or whatever. Like the one of yeah. them will work usually. <laughs> But 100%, everybody should be, like, the, your first 10 games as, as a night player with this new book, just automatically write this one in. Um, the fact that it's, it's like, it's got oaths in it, as in, like, oaths of moment has oaths in it, like, it's pretty hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, all um, oaths involve being within six of the center, apparently. That's right. That's right. How do you take your oaths? I mean, I have to be within six of the center to take my oaths. <laughs> yeah. You're renewing the oaths here, too. You're not even taking new ones. This is like re, re upping on your marriage. Uh, all right. Um, up to the data sheet abilities. This uh, is, I, I don't want to blah, 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 blah my way through this, but it all seems pretty straight up and down for the noble household keywords and alliance keywords. Uh, war gear yeah. abilities. It, it, it explains that you still got ion shield, so you still, everyone has a five plus against um, uh, range attacks. I really wish they had a five plus all the time. I don't kind of understand. I think that would have been such a huge. Yeah, that's one of the downfalls of the book. It would have been. It wouldn't have made them broken. Like it wouldn't have. It wouldn't have been too much. It would have been perfectly reasonable for them to have a five plus all the time now. Because we saw. We saw with the Megaras, like, like they had the five plus all the time, and they, that that's one of the things that made them by default the best knight. Uh, yeah. But it didn't break the game, like by any by any means. Yeah, for sure. I absolutely agree. This is one of those things where it's like they could have just done that. Uh, you'll look like. It's weird playing this army because you're pushing around like ostensibly what are like T78, like 14 to 30 wound robots with a uh -huh. feel no pain and all the stuff. And then someone gets into melee with you with like 10 incubi and your dude just dies. Like you don't roll saves, yeah. you get feel yes. no pains and then death. And like it's super weird because you're like, this is supposed to be tanky and you're just not once they it connect feels... in melee. Yeah. You have a lot of ways to prevent that. You can screen with armagers. But it's really yeah, bad. It, could have, it also could have been something really unique to give to Dominus Knights to make Dominus Knights have this five plus in in all in all respects. But I feel like I mean maybe Armagers don't get the five plus in combat, but definitely yeah, the Questorus. Like you're paying enough points for them to have a freaking Involm man. Like 
yeah. Anyway, um, super heavy walkers still have all the same abilities. Uh, can can declare a charge in a turn in which it fell back. Um, each time it makes a normal move, advances, falls back, and can move across other models, including monsters and vehicles, as if they were not there. And then it goes on to explain the bondsman abilities and how they work. Do you want to break this down for us? Yeah, sure. So this is essentially saying that while a bondsman, while an armager is within twelve of a unit with the bondsman ability, you can apply that bondsman ability to it. Um, you can only be affected by one bondsman ability at any given time. And while your army is honored or virtuous and your armager gets attacked, you subtract one from the damage characteristic of those attacks, both in shooting like, and in Legitimately, melee. it's starting to become apparent to me that the two best things about this book are the bondsman abilities and the exalted court abilities. And the exalted court abilities are so good because they double up or improve your bondsman abilities. Um, it's kind of nuts how deep that how deep that bucket is. It's it's just that well that just goes straight to the center of the earth. The bondsman stuff is so deep. Yeah, it just keeps going. Like like there, you can wrap your head around this book like numerous times, where you're like, oh, I got it, and then you like find like a weird niche, like oh wait, that buffs with this and goes with that. And now I'm doing all these things, and it's like, what? And you know, you're just yeah, constantly finding things. All right, jumping down to the Code Chivalric. We have been talking about this in literally every other section of the book. It's time to tell you what is up. This is the mono-faction bonus for Imperial Knights, as it was told about in Wyman Community. Um, so you have an honor system, essentially like it is a uh, a points system, like a command points system, in which uh, gives you different levels of buffs. You start off in honored with one honor point. Um, uh, sorry, one oath point. And then as long as you are between one and four, you are considered to be honored and unlock a level of buffs. Um, and then if you are if you are five to six of these oath points, you are considered to be virtuous and get your honored and your virtuous buffs in addition. Um, they all come with a, a way to, if you, so backing up a little bit, um, on your army list, which is, uh, it's a bit of this I'm not a fan of, I wish it was pre-game, you pick your oaths, you pick your trees, you, you get two of them that you work your way through and that you exist upon with your list. Um, and then they have a way for you to gain honor points within those trees and then lose honor points within those trees. They're called your uh, pledges and your troths. Have I got that right, mate? Okay. Um, yep. And yeah, we're about to tell you how all this works. So there are, I think there are four of these. Are you the same as me? You're not a fan of the fact you have to write it on your list? Uh, I would care a lot more about that if there wasn't two very clearly good ones and two very okay, clearly well, bad there ones. There we go. First of these is protect those in need. If one or four of the <laughs> one of both of the following happen during a battle round, then at the end of the battle round, you gain one on a point. So one of the things to note is this means that these things don't kick in immediately, as in you can't go from honor to virtuous in the same turn. It all kicks in at the start of the next battle round. Um or the you know in your opponent's turn, I guess. Um, oh, so no, it's at the end of the battle round. So even if you, it, yeah, yeah, this exactly right. So it's only you kicks in for your next turn. And a pure knights model from your army uh, performed a heroic intervention, you will get another point. And an a pure knights model from your army made a charge move against an enemy unit that started the the charge phase within engagement range of another friendly unit. Those two seem pr pretty specific and hard to do. Um, the troughs for here, if one or both of the following happened during your battle round, uh, you lose one on a point. And a pure knights model from your army was a, eligible to declare a heroic intervention and did not do so. Um, in your charge phase, if one or more imperial knights models from your army were eligible to declare a charge against an enemy unit that started the phase with engagement range and you chose not to do so. So essentially, if you have the opportunity to do either of the pledges and choose not to, you lose an honor point. Um, what do you get? Well, tell us the buffs that you get, mate. 
So this one is niche, right? Like the first part, it it starts sounding bad, but hear me out. This is the good part. Honored ability. So selfless heroes. This model is able to perform a heroic intervention as if it were a character. If it model is already a character, then it's eligible to heroic within six horizontally and five inches vertically of enemy and of any enemy unit instead of three and five vertically. Each time this model makes a heroic, it can move up to six inches. All the other rules for heroics apply. So it gives your characters a six-inch heroic, and all of your armagers a three-inch heroic. That's yes. super powerful. Yes, and then the virtuous ability is it if your model has a bondsman ability, you can use it an additional time each command phase. So you get three out of a guy in a court upgrade. I love this. I think this is these two things are really good. Um and like the only thing I don't like about the Pledge and the Troth is that they're both so hard to get off. So you're going to be relying, because you take two of these, if, you, if you're doing this one, maybe this gives you one to two honor points throughout the game. But you're going to be relying on another system to give you the yeah. honor points. Because you don't, need to get from, you don't need to get the ones from this one to get those abilities. You just need to get honor points in general, right? Yep. Yeah, this one just wants you to be honored. Like You don't really super yeah. care about the Virtuous ability, and that is actually a common thing thread here that the honored ability is typically much stronger than the virtuous ability um the so this one's perfectly happy for you to sit between one and four honored points and just kind of vibe with your super powerful buff (laughs) that you get for not having to do very much so you start the game with one um with one honor point yeah but you and then you will only gain honor points by doing stuff and only lose if you don't like with command points get one automatically at the start of the turn yeah good to know you want to tell us about the next one Yes, the next one is the uh, other good one. This is called Defend the Realm. This is, if at the end of your turn you control more objective markers than your opponent does, then at the end of that battle round, you gain an honor point. The Troth is, if at the end of your turn you control less objective markers than you did at the start of the round, uh, at the start of your turn, then at the end of the battle round, you lose a honor point. Very easy. So this one you should never suffer the Troth <laughs> Well, if you for. are, you got bigger problems than, than the honor system. <laughs> Yeah, some terrible thing happened, well, and now you're like, the up, honor you're is losing. If, you, if you take the trust, you're just straight up losing the game of, of 40k. Yeah. <laughs> um, the buffs here are yep. uh, Duty and Wisdom at the start of your command phase. The Battleforge CP bonus grants you one additional command point. So you get two CP instead of one. That's phenomenal. And the Virtuous ability, Duty and Honor. This model has the Objective Secured ability. Um, if it already has this ability, it counts as an additional three models when determining control of objective markers. So your armagers will count as eight, and your big boys will count as 13. Um, yep. See, that virtuous ability is really good. This virtuous ability would give your big boys obsec and oh. make them count as 10, because it doesn't already have obsec. I-, I thought So it would just count as 10. I thought they count as 10 obsec. already, but don't have obsec. They, yeah, they count... They count as 10, but they don't currently oh, have if it already has. So it says if a model already has this ability. Yeah, spot on. Good catch. Yeah. Yep. It's still 10 model obsec, which is bananas. So like, nothing, nothing wrong with this. This is, yep. yeah, this is auto take territory. Gaining 2 CP a turn means that yeah. you can always rotate, which is pretty solid. And then there's a myriad of armager strats, mm-hmm. obviously, that always work. Uh, you will also get to do two of them. What this also means is that if you even grind yourself all the way down to 1 CP, next turn you can do the Mechanicus Mortal Wound strat, regardless. Yeah. And I don't want to say this is a good. I don't want to preemptively say this is a good way of uh, you getting around a lot of the pitfalls that may be coming in the next chapter approved, which I do not know what they are, and I'm not speaking to you. But we've been told we're gonna have we're gonna be starting with less CP. Getting one more than everybody else at the start of the battle round is a great place to be. 
Yeah, you essentially would pick up three a turn if the yeah. things they said are um, true. Alright, next up is Refuse No Challenge. At the end of each battle round, if two or more enemy units have been destroyed by melee attacks made by Imperial Knights units from your army during that battle round, then you gain one honor point. If an Imperial Knights unit from your army fell back during a battle round, at the end of the battle round, you lose one honor point. Uh, that is rough. Because, like you said, you're Imperial Knights. You want to fall back, shoot into something, charge into something. You want to fall back across the board, shoot into something, charge into something. You want to jump up and jump up and get down. And this is saying, sorry, you'll be punished. Yeah. Yeah, The I don't. I also just don't think I've ever killed two units in melee with knights. Who's letting you do that? You know, who's letting you be like, hi, how you doing? I have Here's no two idea. squishy units, feel free. You know, it's... <laughs> yeah. Well, so, well the, the bonus is better be baller. Tell us about him. So the honored ability is each time this model makes a melee attack, if it makes a charge move, if it made a charge, was charged or performed a heroic, plus one to the hit roll. And then the virtuous ability is you can re-roll advances and charge rolls. Uh, they're both good. They're both good. This one's really hard to do. Exactly and you right. have to write them into your data sheet, into your army list. You, so has to be such a polarized, like MSU heavy meta to, to make you think you're going to get two melee kills a turn. Consistent, consistently. Consistently. And it has yeah. to be like, yeah. It has to be yeah. melee MSU as well. Like it has to be like yes. the Jukari meta again, and then you're like kind of well, you lose it. You lose that game. <laughs> uh, three. Yeah, you're not super happy about what is, forty point what three units, units everywhere. Drazar due to a knight's army. It's a lot. Is the word. <laughs> it's not um, pretty. I'll anyway, say that. <laughs> uh, last one. This is lay low the tyrants. If an imperial knight's model from your army is dis destroyed, one or more warlord character or monster monster or vehicle. Units during a battle round with a melee attack, melee attack. Then at the end of the battle round, you gain one honor point. If less than two units have been destroyed <laughs> by an attack by attacks made by Imperial Knights from your army during that battle round, then you lose one honor point. If less than two enemy units have been destroyed, so turn one, you almost guarantee you're going to lose an honor point. Yeah, you just dishonored turn one. <laughs> Auto dishonored. That's terrible. Terrible. Yeah, this one's real bad. Okay, well, the buffs better be cranked. All right, dude. You ready for the craziest buff of all time? Oh, lay it on me, mate. Lay it on me. Each time you're selected to shoot or fight, you can reroll one hit roll or, not end, or one wound roll. I'm happy I'm sitting down because my, my head was about to explode with excitement. Can you hear the excitement? Yeah. It's just oh, astonishing. Yeah, yeah, that one's real crazy. You get a portion of the Salamander's chapter tactic <laughs> for automatically being dishonored. Like, if you, if you had the other half, as in no one could reroll to wound against you, I would consider Different this conversation. heavily. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the virtuous ability, which you're never going to see, because you're going to be dishonored round one, mm -hmm. is once per battle, when you make an advance hit, wound, or saving throw for one Imperial Knight's model from your army at all, you can change the result to a six. What? What? You get one miracle dice when you're virtuous? You one How single six across the entire army. How does that work if you yeah. jump down to honored and back up to virtuous? Do you, do you get it again? Or does this, is this, wait, uh, huh? I don't, what? I don't think so. <laughs> this is, what a poor choice of buff to put there. Because firstly, it's very meh for how hard it is to get virtuous in this freaking tree. And secondly, it's what? Huh? It just doesn't make sense. Once yeah, per this battle one's round, not great. when you make an advance hit charge, wound roll saving throw for the Imperial Knights model, you can change the result to a six. Um, is that once per model in your army, or is this once per? No, it's once per. No. So yeah, for yeah, once per battle round uh, for one Imperial Knights model. 
Yeah, I mean, like, I'm coming around to it if it wasn't so ridiculously hard to get. If this one was easy to get, it'd be great, but instead it's extraordinarily difficult. If this was the honored ability, we'd be talking. Yeah, different conversation, yeah. much better. So, okay, so essentially you start with one. So let me just let me just point this out to people. You start with one honor. Then in this tree, and just, just we're just exclusively talking about this tree, you need to kill, and with no other sources of honor, in, f- in the next four turns of the game, you need to kill two units. Oh, sorry. You, uh, per turn. Yeah. So, no, no. You need to, ha- yeah, you need to kill two units per turn, every turn, to not lose. And of those units that you kill, at least one of them has to be their warlord, a character, a monster, or vehicle. And then on turn five, you can have one reroll. Also, all of those uh, warlords, character, monster, or vehicle you kill has to be in melee. Oh, piss off. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. This would be totally fine, though, if the trough wasn't horrible, because you could pair it up with one of the better ones that generate, you, um, yeah. that generate honor yeah. a lot easier and try and buff yourself the up. Realm. But yeah. what this is going to do is going to tank whatever other tree you take. Yeah. Oh, no, it's brutal. You take <laughs> this and, like, defend the realm, right, if the trough wasn't so bad, yeah. and you're all right. Like, that's a reasonable thing. Yeah. You just, As it is... It's untakeable. Yeah. It's an active. It's it's not bad. It is actively a detriment, and it I is. cannot explain to, to like how different those are. Yeah, like oh. sometimes things just aren't very good. Like the buff's not super strong. Yeah, this like actively harms your game plan. It actively hurts your other buffs. Like you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, all right, all right, all right, cool. That's the end of the rules section of the review. Now, usually at this point, we would pick one or two data sheets we want to talk about. Um. So, my dude, feel free to take us to your favorite night in this book. Oh, man, that's not even... That's so easy. <laughs> my favorite night, and it, this is going to sound... It's, it's actually going to be very different in the Chaos book, because my favorite night in the Chaos book is an Armager. Uh, my favorite night in this book, though, is the Gallant. Yeah, boy. boy. Went from being I mean, not very interesting to extremely good. I mean, attorney's over here like, hey, have you met me? Have you met me? It's the freaking gallant. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's the melee one, dude. It's the faster uh, melee one. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Uh, yes, who would have thought? Tell us why. Why do you like it so much? So the gallant has, as compared to any of his mixed weapon cowardly brethren, he has an additional attack, an additional point of weapon skill, and two additional points of movement. So he is faster, hits harder, has good weapon choices, because like there's sometimes where that gauntlet's pretty good. And he hits on twos with more attacks. He is the full package. And in case you thought all that wasn't enough, he's much cheaper. He's 400 points base. Yes, much cheaper. What do you like? Uh, do you take a carapace weapon on this guy? Do you chuck anything up top? And do you keep the stubbers or switch out for the melter? You literally can't. This guy gets... I wouldn't take the melter gun. I would put a stubber on him and you like... Oh, you can take the carapace weapon. Yeah. Sorry, I forget that he can do that because you can't chaos. Um, yeah, I just he doesn't really need guns. Like that's not what he's there for. And honestly, on turn one, you will often advance him. Then he will lose all of his guns immediately. Exactly. So, yeah, he's just uh, he gets up there. He's yeah. in there with the melee weapons, and he's advancing and he's going fast. Also, just in case that wasn't enough, he's giving one to two of your armagers weapon skill too as well. Yes, exactly. Increase weapon skill by one for his Bosman ability. Um, yeah, I I adore. For 400 points, and may, maybe up to like 420, 430, depending on your optional loadout. Yeah, what you want to give on? Um, and, and yeah, yeah, exalted court. Yeah. Um, 
I think it's it's a phenomenal package, a phenomenal value buy. Uh, it used to be that a gallant didn't feel that killy, but now I feel like this is the knight with the highest ceiling for damage output. Like the things you can do with oh, this knight, yeah. this could be the highest ceiling knight we have. Um, yeah, he's got to get there, but like on something approximating a reasonably terrained up board, the gallant definitely has both the most consistency and the highest ceiling. Mm, agreed. Um, the crusade, the crusader can get like very out of hand, as can the Castellan once you're mechanicus and whatever. But like when you throw five CP at anything, it should be infinite damage. Like he is like real good, like turnover turn. If he doesn't die, it's a nightmare. If he makes it to your opponent's deployment zone and he's got like twenty of his wounds left. And like now they have to spend a turn trying to kill him through a feel no pain and an involve and this and that. And he lives. Oh man, it's so bad for them. Yeah, it's it's rough as guts. All right, for my favorite knight, um, I have a, I have a bunch, but I want to tell you about Canis Rex for for my pick. Okay. Um, so this guy is only twenty points more than a gallant. It starts at 420 points. You can't take a carapace weapon on him anyway. It doesn't really matter. Um, on top of a regular... Uh, so this is... Sorry, no, sorry. He's 440. Apologies. He's 20 points he's more, 20 more than, a than a regular preceptor. So 40 points more than a gallant. But for those 20 points, you get ballistic skill and weapon skill too. Yep, straight up. Uh, and you get plus... You get one more attack. So straight up, 20 points of value already. Um, and this is where it starts to get a bit spicier. Freedom's Hand um is just is just a fist which uh i think it's the same as a regular fist um in everything except that each time attack is made with this weapon profile a modified wound roll of six inflicts d3 mortal wounds on the big sweep and then um on the little sweep is one mortal wound on any sixes which is just fine it's totally okay um no three yeah, that bit of extra damage goes a long way yeah no three nightly teachings so the same as a regular preceptor but here's where it gets spicy um so each time canis rex makes an attack against a non-imperium unit on an unmodified hit roll of six one additional hit is scored and once per battle round you can re-roll a hit wound charge or saving throw made for canis rex that is why i like this guy he's extra durable by default with the ability to spike has exploding sixes literally against every best army in the game right now uh tyranids tau and and, and eldari cool exploding sixes against all of them and in addition, you don't get any points for killing this guy until you kill the little bastard Hector that gets out when he dies. So if you take to the last and you lose this guy, they need to pick up the little bugger Hector, who's got four wounds and a four plus save sitting in cover in the middle of the, in, in the back of the board behind two other freaking knights before you get any points uh, away from the, to the last. Um, I think he's a pretty good value proposition if you're going to take a preceptor anyway. I think he's just better in just about every way um, for the twenty points. The only issue is. You don't get to take uh, extra relics, wall of traits, or um, oh sorry, you get um his set um wall of trait, and but you don't get to any of the um exalted court stuff, which I think might be enough to keep him on the shelf a little bit longer. But I just wanted to highlight him because I think this is might be a significant glow up. I mean, you just sold me on him. He's pretty good. <laughs> He's pretty good, man. What's his wall of trait? Um, if Canis Rex gains a wall of trait, it must be revered knight. Which one is revered? Yeah, which is the sixth one. Ah, oh, it's the worst one. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's the second to worst one. So, him giving you an extra honor point to start with isn't terrible because it's going to take a while to kill him. Even if it paints a target on him, there already was one, so it's kind of whatever. Yeah, that's fair. And I uh, guess fight first as well. Um, yes, but yeah, if you want to look at his real wall of trade, his real wall of trade is one free reroll to hit the wound and to damage and saving throw. One, yeah, is big. Um, he's just going to live yeah. for like a turn longer than he should because, um, of course, 
99 percent of the time you save that set you save it for a, a, an involved save um yeah. but that will dude it's time for us to do our rating system because that brings us to the end of the formal review of the stuff in this book um there are certainly like i mean g-dub did a good job of making the errant and the paladin um worth taking because they were the two like i never heard of your night data sheets the warden got some look-ins um but the crusader's still yeah, good the up. only thing i want to say i want to ask your opinion on is do the Dominus Knights, the the uh, Castellan and the Valiant, get a look in at all? Because I'm I'm down on both of them. I think the the Dominus Knights have been left behind by this book, which is really unfortunate. There's like a lot of the stuff that I find myself doing when I want to include them is very clearly things that I'm going out of my way to do to include a Castellan rather than including one because of its own merits, which is a little sad. Yeah, you almost have to like well. Firstly, the 600 points for the Castellan. Just, sorry, just under 600 points for the Castellan. Um, how many points is a Crusader? Because a Crusader is cheaper than it was previously. Um, it used to be, they used to sit around the 550, yeah, 560 mark, I think. Crusaders are 485 right now. So that's quite a discount. You don't have to pay any points for to change their gun. You just have to buy the Carapace weapon or not. Um, and so, like, it's it's near on 100 yeah. points discount between the two. Um and that crease, yeah, it's 110 cheaper than Castellan. It's it's pretty ridiculous the fact that I think and I think the Crusader is like as long as you give it in the Fury, I think the Crusader is better. Um, you know. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a kind of a bit of a pain. Um, in addition, I think the worst knight in this book is the Valiant. Um, which sucks. I want the Valiant to be the best knight in the book because it's the funnest knight in the book. It's got the freaking harpoon. Who doesn't? Who, that so oh my god why is it so crap i mean like i would rather have a a freaking tower railgun from a hammerhead it is better than the harpoon yeah please give me literally almost any other profile well, <laughs> that thing is so lame you get you get your invuln against it hell if you're in cover and you, you got your you're uh freaking if you're in cover and you got you're a terminator you get an armor save against it you know you'd get a six up still oh, man. Um, it's 10 damage yeah cool with three models done in addition um uh yeah i um it's just pretty flat like it's only 18 inch range um i mean it's, it was always probably going to be but for that 18 inch range i expect it to be freaking damage 10 plus d6 or 2d3 or something with mortal wounds and a splash mortal wounds and a freaking and a stratagem to soup it up or shoot it twice in a turn or something crazy um as it is it gets little to no stratagem support it gets little to no um exalted court or relic support and its weapon profiles are kind of sh crap they're just crap they don't do anything yeah they're just it's it's fine i'm sorry i'm sorry everybody but in the same sentence that I say your Valiant is going to be on the shelf, your Eric and your Paladin might see play. So it's a bit of give and take. Yeah. Woo! Yeah, new, new use of old sheets. Yes. And in addition, like, you know, an actual preceptor. I've Who who owns a preceptor? Like, I mean, not me. <laughs> yeah, not me. Yeah, I've got two boxes that I could be built into them. Um, but dude, okay, time for our rating system. We're going to rate this uh, codex upon two metrics. The first is the internal metric, as in how happy should Imperial Knight players be with this book out of 10. 10 being um, this is the freaking Dark Eldar Codex that gives you a way to play every single unit at any one point or any time. And one being, uh, I guess, the current... Death Guard? <laughs> by 9th edition standards, unfortunately, Death Guard, even though I think Death Guard is exactly what you want a 9th edition codex to be. Um, yeah, out of 10, how would you give this Imperial Knights book? 
I think it's like a seven or an eight. Honestly, they did a really good job. Lots of stuff is really good. There's just a couple parts that are like a little feels bad or like just a couple data sheets that are just like, I really don't see a use for these, especially in mm. competitive play. Yeah. But like, as far as like flavor and like making them feel like they should play goes like the faction secondaries do a great job of tying in stuff that you're already trying to do and rounding off some of the weaknesses that you have. Um, really like the book in general it's fun to play on the tabletop i definitely have less experience with it than i do the cast side i'm only like five or so games deep on it now um Mate, but you're killing it i'm it's fun i'm exactly zero games deep on the imperial knights so <laughs> you're winning this exchange um so when i when i think about how this rating system I start at a five, and then I make a case in my head for why it should go below a five or above a five, and then how far does it go okay. above. Um, so I'm going to put it from a five, and I'm going to say this is well fleshed out, it's deep, it's thematic, and knights feel pretty knightly. So I'm going to give it, uh, f- I'll give it four more points for that up until a nine, because it is Ooh. deep, thematic, they feel like knights, and it's well put together, like you can play most of the units. And then I'm going to take one away, because it is a phenomenal amount of bookkeeping, unfortunately. Um, and I feel like it's, it's a yeah. bit clunky, even though you've only got freaking seven models. It's pretty clunky. So I'm going to dock, dock one for that. I'm going to dock one for the Dominus's feeling like crap. And I think I'm going to dock one for them f- being a little bit too squishy. I would love, I would have loved for Questorus Knights to be have an extra toughness, have innate damage reduction, or that five plus, because I actually don't think this army is that durable by modern standards. So I'm giving it a six, unfortunately. Um, okay. Even though I think it's still a great book, and I'm going to play it, like it's it's above a five. Yeah. It's 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 definitely easily above par, and um, it's it's extremely extremely playable and extremely fun. Um, I I just think there's unnecessary levels of uh, technical levels to this that they could have done. They could have streamlined. It could have made it could have made it a bit more user friendly, so to speak. Yeah, for sure. There's definitely parts of the book that read like they were different at some point, right? Like you read some of the sheets and stuff and you're like, that definitely used to have higher numbers on it. There's no way that is what that looked like this entire Picked up on that too. I am assuming that nothing in this book got tested um, with armor contempt taken into account. Not, not one piece of this. And as soon as yes. I, yeah, because take away armor yep. of contempt, so much of this book feels so much better, um, kill, killability wise, like as in for dur- killing stuff. Um, as this right now, like this book doesn't feel durable by default because of how much durable the rest of the game is. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You definitely need the buffs to get there for durability, and those can become hard to apply, and they only go on armagers. There's mm-hmm. a lot of like if thens when it comes to that. A lot of t's and c's to use your terminology. Yeah, baby. Um, for their durability, it gets locked behind a lot of steps. And uh, to round this, uh, sorry, I, I, please don't think I'm down on this book. I am the opposite. I'm extremely excited about this book. I think this book is a, a phenomenal example of what we want ninth edition books to be. It's reasonable, it's fair, and you need to work to get the most out of it. It doesn't just give it to you like things like Admech did, things like uh, Dark Eldar did. You just it just gave it to you on a silver platter. This book, you actually have to work for it. Um, and unfortunately, that's the comparisons I have. Like I'm comparing this book to admec to you know the best books of this edition um as for where it sits in the power rankings where it's going to land for like traditional c or d to s where do you think it's going to end up i think it will probably settle out in like a or so depending on what the s develops into if that makes sense like if nids get adjusted and people don't like crazy adapt to them Knights are always weird, right? Because like they'll force huge meta change. 
but they may not necessarily show it in the results that they end up with. Yeah. Because of their like innate gatekeepery nature. So they'll probably be like high B, mid A in the hands of a really good player. They can compete with like all of the A's and maybe the S a little bit, but there's always going to be layers of things you're locked behind. Like, you know, a bit of a, like, did I roll badly on my invulns and just randomly lose a knight earlier than I should this game? Was the terrain good? Was the terrain player placed is yeah. a huge deal for knights. Well, it, um, So, yeah, stuff like that. How long have you been playing, brother? Am I right in saying that you started mid-8th edition, or was it start of 8th edition? I started playing, like, I walked into a Games Workshop store the week the Iron Hands Codex released <laughs> in 8th. <laughs> wow, what a, what a time to start. Holy crap. So you missed all the best bits of 8th edition, yep. is what I'm hearing. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I started when it got crazy. When it got crazy. That's why my understanding yeah. of power levels is bananas compared to everybody else. Yeah, we're far less reasonable, is what I'm hearing. Um, so, yes. to, yep. to put it plainly, knights have never had a, a dominant S-tier list. There's never been a knights, mono knights list that has been the best list in the game. Because any and all well-rounded, fleshed-out armies always have the ability to spike into or take a thousand points of their list to just make the knight list reasonable, you know? A la uh, Salamander's list takes um, what was, uh, sorry, we'll take uh, Eradicators. Just take, I, I take one unit of Eradicators with enough buffs that they come out, auto-kill me one night, bang, that game gets playable again. Um you know, th- things like that. So that is one of the biggest reasons that knights never maintain or have, like, the best list in the game and when they get relegated to the gatekeeper role. Because it's just like, oh, did you allocate enough points to this matchup um, to make this a game? And and then not. So it's always... Which would then get forced back on the knight player. Is the knight player skilled enough to, to mitigate those factors? And there, I've seen some games from some knight players that have blown my mind where I didn't think knights could win that game and then they go and do. Um, so... That's and, and that's kind of where I'm seeing this one as. I think this is going to end up like B plus, bottom of A, is kind of where I'm seeing it. Because it's well fleshed out and, and dedicated night players will get a, a real, legitimately fearsome amount of power out of it. But this is not a pick-up-and-do-well list. Like, this is not a pick-up-and-do-well book. Um, yeah. Uh, I think I think 8th edition is sorry 9th edition is too prohibitive, prohibitively killy and survivable and these guys fall somewhere in the middle of both of those um that I think only like properly like stacked dedicated night players people who really hone this book and get the most out of it can do phenomenal things but I think the rest of us lowly plebs would probably be sitting around BTR yeah, it's definitely going to take time and a lot of reps and like a perfect understanding of like when your profiles are good and where they aren't and how to apply that. But at the end of the day, the Knights Army, the Imperial Knights Codex definitely struggles for model count, and that can be an issue with the way Ninth Edition missions work. Yeah, spot on. All right, mate, that is going to wrap us up for this episode. Thank you so very, very much for your time. This was a lot of time. There was a lot of freaking book, man. So much book. I am so hyped for this. Um, in the part two, I, I'm going to get you to treat me like a coaching client. Where you're gonna you're gonna talk me through how Adam gets started in nights. Oh, baby. Yeah, man. Take me to school. Like what what Alrighty. what should a first list look like? You know, um, what what conceptualize we're going to think tank some matchups some of the top meta matchups in addition we're going to start to talk about some of the spicy spicy tech and uh, list construction that you guys should need to know either playing into knights or playing as them so please come over and join us anthony my man thank you so much again for coming on anything you'd like to say or plug on the way out 
nothing super crazy. Watch us on Fight Club. Come to me for coaching. Ask me questions. Let's talk about stuff. I'm super excited for part two. Let's do it. See you then, guys. Take care. Thank you for listening to Art of War Down Under, a content review podcast for Warhammer 40K. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War Down Under. Signing out from tomorrow.